through streets paved with gold Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who can't tune in through television or cable, they can go to www.hotm.tv and watch live streaming video from anywhere in the world. We also have other shows archived there. Hey, some upcoming events that you need to consider get your pens and calendars out. Saturday, July 11th in Logan, our open water baptism. And uh, 1, 1 p.m. we're looking at, there'll be a, a party afterward. It was a great event last year, a beautiful river setting. And you can have your pastor come and baptize you. You can baptize, uh, be baptized by me, whatever you want to do. But it's a time for people who haven't been baptized to come on down to the river's edge and publicly profess their uh, faith trust, belief in Jesus Christ, commit their lives to them, and to be baptized in his name. So we look forward uh, to doing that if you're uh, so inclined. We receive a number of complaints lately, which come cyclically, that I use the term Mormon. Now, uh, this complaint pops up by people. They say, we are not Mormons. Uh, we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are LDS. Some people call us Latter-day Saints. But we are not, and you are wrong, to call us Mormons. Like most special interest groups, the LDS are screaming for a complete acceptance from the outside world, but they want to police and regulate uh, the speech that the, the outside world uses to describe them. And they believe they are the only ones who get to determine what is acceptable and what is not. However, some LDS take this demand a step further than they should, because they are the biggest users of that term Mormon of anybody in the world. Uh, this is the end result. They are telling us that they can use the term Mormon all that they want to promote themselves, to promote themselves in the media, to gain recognition and publicity. But we have to call them Latter-day Saints and now Christians to boot. Uh, I detest special interest. Uh, have you ever heard them refer uh, to the choir as the Latter-day Saint Tabernacle Choir. Uh, look at their television advertisements. Um, there's always a parenthetical reference at the end of their television ads or their print ads that says, from the Mormons. Um, there's vans that drive around Salt Lake City that say, Go, come and take Mormon tours. And it's by, they're owned and operated by the LDS Church. So listen, you stop using the term Mormon and all stop using the term Mormon. Until then, you are a Mormon and nothing but a Mormon, so help you God. Uh, 
One of the standard defenses the LDS missionaries and apologists are making today in response to a growing body of public information and evidence against Joseph Smith's uh, activities uh, when he was alive was that, quote, he was just a man like everybody else is just a man. And because he was subject to making mistakes, human proclivities, that he made errors, it doesn't mean he wasn't a true prophet of God. Often defenders in the LDS church today are very, uh, they often will say, look at the prophets in the Bible. How many of them had failures? How many of them did things that were wrong? Remember David, they'll say uh, in their chat rooms and on the blogs and stuff like that. And the point is well taken. If we tried to judge God's truth by outward lives and the personal choices that his children make, we would not be very impressed with who God is. Men and women are human, and they do indeed commit all sorts of sins and mistakes in this fallen condition. It's somewhat ironic, however, that the LDS defenders use this argument when they wholesale and constantly uh, present Mormonism based on appearance and example of men. But nevertheless, the circular reason is amazing. That's not the point. The point is, and this ministry has always made this distinction, it is not it has never been the personal failures of Joseph Smith that caused us to criticize him. If Joseph Smith organized Mormonism within the parameters of biblical uh, theology, his personal failures might be mentioned. There might be a short documentary on the man as a quick, quixotic type of person that was charismatic and he had some sinful stuff. But if he set Mormonism up in, in, in biblical parameters, I don't think there would be any discussion about uh, his life. The whole issue with Joseph Smith and his sins is the fact that he used God to justify them, you see. And here is the big difference between the biblical prophets and a man like Joseph Smith. He made his sins doctrine. He would say, thus saith the Lord to this stuff. When David uh, messed up with Bathsheba and then Uriah, he did not lay the blame at the foot of God and order, in order to justify it. Uh, he admitted his failures. He mourned over them. He wrote through all the Psalms about them, and he repented. In almost everything Joseph Smith did in his personal life, from taking other people's property and land to taking their wives to all the revelation he professed uh, that backed his actions in the Doctrine and Covenants, he would preface it with, thus saith the Lord. Um, Christians are well aware of the failures of our spiritual forefathers. Martin Luther, he did some very, and said some very ridiculous things. Uh, all men and women sin and do, but they don't lay it at God's feet. We don't trust in men, we trust in God. We, do, we trust in God, we don't trust in religion. We trust in and put our faith in Christ, not in institutional practices and in rites. This is yet another Mormon uh, differentiation from biblical Christianity. Some heartfelt thanks we need to, be, to, to express tonight. We thank Andrew, our brother in Norway, who has taken his time and energy and his own inclination and desires to follow God to bring heart of the matter to an entire YouTube universe around the world. He is unpaid and he virtually uh, 
is unrecognized in the labor that he has bestowed in putting over close to 500 YouTube clips of the shows, editing them, and then commenting on them, and have literally introduced Heart of the Matter to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. We thank the staff and person of Sandra Tanner at www.utlm.org from whose pioneer work we and millions of others have benefited. We thank KTMW TV 20 owners Pat and Connie for Denny Ermel, who is healthy again, praise God, and his wife Michelle for the station, the airtime, the media support, and giving this ministry legs. We thank Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa for their monthly missional support. We thank the members of our governing board who take great amounts of time which usually ends up costing them personally, in order to see to the health and direction of the ministry. We thank our families and the burdens of the ministry that they silently and without complaint or recognition bear, and doing so much for this cause that no one will ever know. We thank our volunteers here at the station and who give up every Tuesday night, travel great distances, and rain or shine show up to keep the show live, who answer the phone calls, who work the cameras and work so hard on my makeup and my wardrobe and my hairstyling demands. There's a young man, I can't, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, I'll mention it next week, but he has decided to put a, a Heart of the Matter Facebook page up, and, uh, which has gained and opened another avenue for young people to come and understand Heart of the Matter and puts video clips there. Some of you have watched Heart of the Matter and been part of this ministry for years. Faithful friends who have devoted your time and prayers to us. You have silently uh, been there uh, for our well-being. You've sent us informative letters, uh, emails, shared the program with other people. You have helped us with our streaming video, with our websites, with our endless technical nightmares. You know who you are. There are bookstores who have carried our book in Utah. There are four churches who have stepped up and stood by us. Sandy Ridge Community Church, Grace Lutheran in Salt Lake City, Christ Evangelical in Orem, and someone's got to come and tell me. Uh, Kevin, send somebody in to tell me who the fourth one is who just joined the ranks. We are so blessed. Many of you have responded to our invitation to be a Heart of the Matter partner. It's Integrity Christian Fellowship in Layton. We thank them. Uh, and as partners, uh, this allows us to continue to write and produce and present the show uh, while others have given as freely as they can of their time and of their finances, small amounts, large amounts. We thank you, every one of you, and we pause and thank God for whatever you have done in any way to keep the ministry moving. We are honored and blessed to know you. And as Joe Strummer once wrote, all of you who stand without fear in the service of the King, we salute you. And with that, we will have a prayer. Lord, uh, we seek your spirit tonight and uh, pray that uh, we will be able to reach people with this so, such an important message. And we pray you'll be with our callers, be with our audience here, be with our audience throughout Utah, Idaho, those who tune in through cable, um, YouTube, who watch through the archives, Lord. Send your spirit. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For the past month, I've been covering the Mormon Mountain Meadows massacre, culminating in the recitation of the actual massacre last week. This presentation has taken its toll after we did it. I was drained uh, spiritually and reporting last week's uh, uh, horrible recounting of what happened there. Due to this and other events in my personal life with my family, the Lord has inclined my heart to take a break from Mountain Meadows 
and speak about something far more important with you, and that would be him. Uh, we want to make a case for your having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. We want you and invite you to just sit back and just consider Jesus. We are calling on those of you who have a desire for God but cannot say that you have experienced spiritual rebirth. We call to everyone, people of all gender, all color, all age, people who of every faith, we don't care what church you belong to, uh, people of all lifestyles, people of all choices. We call out to those who are violent and the adulterers and the pot smokers and the drug users and the alcoholics and the homosexuals and the uh, heterosexuals who are uh, lascivious and to liars and people who think they've got their act all together. Uh, so together they really don't have that big of a need for Jesus. They can handle life all on their own. We are calling to anyone and everyone who cannot wholeheartedly say they know, love, and stand without fear in the service of the King. But what is it about Jesus that has kept you from him at, has kept you from embracing him? What is it that has kept you from him? Is it the fact that you love sin too much? Go to him because he loves sinful people. Uh, he wants you to come to him as you are, uh, in your filth, with your ways and to receive his unconditional love, which will help you overcome those things that you've uh, accumulated in your life. What do you have to fear? Is it your pride? Is it your grip on this world? Your whole image that you're trying to impress people with? Go to him. He is the most radical friend you could ever, ever want. If you were walking on, if he were walking on earth right now, you would not only want to clamor to hang out with him, he would want to hang out with you. And he would love you so much in the end that if it was just you on this earth and he was your friend, he would still go and shed his life, give his blood, shed his uh, blood for you without question because he loves you so much. There is nothing he did when he walked this earth that was selfish or self-serving or mean-spirited. You would have loved him. He served people when they were poor. He fed them when they were hungry. He healed them when they were violently ill. He ate with sinners. He raised the dead and he dried the tears of mourners. He told parables that condemned the hoity-toity religionists and praise the weak, humble, broken people on the earth. Why don't you want to receive him? What is stopping you from saying, I want this being as my king, as my friend, as the person I turn to? You prefer something else over him? Something you can't trust or rely upon? Search the earth high and low from the beginning of time until today, and you will never find anyone more radical more loving, more kind, more put up with your attitudes and failures than Yeshua, than Iesus, than Jesus of Nazareth. And yet this world mocks him and those who believe in him to no end. Why? There are all sorts of men and women who have rewritten his mission 
and his offering to you. They have gotten in the way of him and the grace and love he offers you completely and unconditionally. They make up rules and enforce their culturally constricted attitudes upon you and they demand that you follow them. But Jesus said, follow me. Just Jesus, only Jesus, follow me. Many have manipulated the masses with his name. They merchandise his name. They market his image and they fanatically put words in his mouth. They burden others with great weights upon their back and call it Christianity, call it faith. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Those are his words to you. Organized religion has done much to harm his message as to correctly promote it. Many misguided and prevailing attitudes within so-called Christianity today serve only to push people away from the cross instead of draw people to it. Why let your own sins, which he paid for and will release you from completely, and these philosophies of the world, which he corrected and gave you truth, or the things in this fallen world, which will do nothing but bring darkness where light should be, why do you let these things keep you from the greatest free relationship with the most awesome human being on earth, a relation that is without cost for the taking, a relationship that comes because he paid your debt, a relationship that comes of love and acceptance of truth and real goodness and abundant living. Why? Why do you reject going to him and asking him to be forgiven and to receive you as his child? Why do you cling to counterfeits rather than deal with the real McCoy? Have you gotten to the point where you actually believe you will lose something of value by accepting Jesus? Do you actually think that you are going to somehow lose in the transition of going and offering him your will and your life and asking for forgiveness? What do you have to lose? We don't care. You're Mormon, you're Catholic, you're Baptist, you're an atheist, you're gay, you're this, you're that, you're a perfect person. We don't care. But have you gone and turned your life and will over to the sovereign king? And if you haven't, why? Why haven't you done it? It's so easy. It is so beautiful. Why haven't you done it? Maybe you aren't sure who Jesus really is. And so please just take another eight minutes with me and let me take one little segment from the Bible to teach you about his identity, okay? Of all the gospel writers, John, uh, he uses a Greek phrase in his gospel more than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it is ego ami. And that phrase translated into English is I am. John, in talking about Jesus, quotes Jesus as the I am and quotes Jesus as referring to himself as I am this, I am that, more than any place else in Scripture. Now, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Moses writes about an encounter that he has with God. And when it says that, he ha that God comes to Moses to speak with him, the word that is used there is Elohim. Okay, And that word Elohim is a noun. It's not a proper noun, meaning a name. It's a title. There are Elohims that are Elohims on earth, judges. They, they, it's like a god. It's the name, not of a god, but the name for God. Elohim, just this is a god. This little guy's the god of my uh, Diet Coke. 
He's the Elohim of my Diet Coke. It's just a noun, not a proper noun, okay? Elohim tells Moses to go to the children of Israel and tell them that he was sent to them. In reply, Moses says to Elohim, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What's his name? What shall I say unto them? Elohim, or God, says to Moses, I am that I am. Then God repeats these instructions to Moses, saying, Thou shalt thus say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. It's all uppercase in the Bible there. I, capital I, capital A, capital M. I am. This is the name Elohim told Moses to give the children of Israel when they asked him who sent him. Got it? Now listen to how some of the scholars of ancient anti of antiquity have described what this I am means. In the Vulgate, which is the Latin translation of the Bible, it's ego sum qui sum, which is I am who I am. That's how they translate that. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Bible, it's I am he who exists. I mean, I, don't, I wasn't created and I'm not going to evolve. I exist. I am. In the Arabic, it writes, the eternal who passes not away. The Targum of Jerusalem paraphrases the words this way. It's interesting. He who spake and the world was. Who spake and all things existed. By his word he spake. That's how the, tar the Jewish Targum from Jerusalem explains that. Now it's difficult to try to assign meanings to that phrase, that name, I am, because they in and of themselves point to the eternal self-existent nature of God. In his Paramedes, it's a book or writings, Plato writes about the sublime nature of God and he says, quote, listen, nothing can express his nature, therefore no name can be attributed to him. Unlike you and me, the name I am perfectly implies that he is, he always has been, and he always will be as he is. All right? Remember, this is the name God himself gives to Moses to go and represent him as being. It's not a being, it is being in and of itself, independent, self-existent. Now us, human beings, we come in forms that appear at a beginning. We have a creation, we are started, and we are derived, and we're finite, and then we become changeable, and we are liable to destruction, and we are liable to death and decay. Not the I am. He is what he is. We also learn when God announced his name to Moses that he also pre proclaimed his own immateriality, meaning he did not have substance. This kept idolatry at bay. If God had told Moses, tell the children of Israel, my name is Freckles, okay? Then the children of Israel, in all likelihood, within a few years or months or decades, would start to do freckly type of things to look and to honor this idolatrous thing instead of the I am, which is an immaterial being, okay? This simple but insanely deep name automatically refuses the material trappings of shape, color, beginnings, or ends. In other words, it's impossible to assign time-space continuum to a being who is uncreated. 
What man could come up with that so long ago during Moses' time? This passage in and of itself supports divine authorship. Now, additionally, one of the most intelligent Gentile philosophers of all time, the ancient Greek Plutarch, he observed that this title, he was not a believer by any sense, proves the oneness of God, the singularity of God. He alone is being. His nature is one. His essence is eternally uncompounded. So even this non-Jew, this ancient Greek philosopher, informs us that the ancient mode of addressing God was, quote, thou art one, because he says, many cannot be attributed to the nature of divine being. You cannot, like we've always asked, how do you worship more than one God? It's impossible. You got to choose and then you're worshiping more than the other. You try to give equal time. Oh, I prayed 10 seconds longer for this God than that one. So you get all messed up. God cannot be more than one. From all this, we can easily determine that God is one uncreated. He's eternal. He is without form and he is singular and one. Now, let's turn to the New Testament. This is the point. What attributes does it assign Jesus in this context? The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is almost like saying, I am, but Paul's way of describing it. There could be no more synonymous scripture than I am than that. John the Revelator wrote, describing Jesus in Revelation 1, 4, listen, from him, meaning Jesus, which is and which was, and which is to come, the I am. In the Gospel of John, we have the Lord himself referring to his eternal, self-existent name and identity over and over and over again. And this is what we're going to conclude before we go to the phones. Listen to how Jesus himself describes himself. He presents a perfect argument that he is the I am of Genesis 3. In John uh, 6:35 and 48, he says, I am the bread of life. Then he says in 51, I am the living bread. While teaching in the temple, Jesus, it says, he actually cries out to the Jews sitting before him. And he says, you both know me and you know whence I am. And I am not come of myself. In John 7, 29, Jesus referring to the father says, but I know him for I am from him and he has sent me. And then in John 8, 12, he claims, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In John 8, 38, he reveals his unique origins, killing, destroying the Greek idea of a pre-existence. Listen to what he says. He points to the people probably, or he looks at them at least, and he says, I, uh, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. His ministry, as his ministry progresses, Jesus gets more and more bold with his claims of I am. In 824, he says, for if you believe not that I am he, it says in the King James Version that I am he, but that he was added. What he really said to the Jews is, if you don't believe that I am, know he there. And they knew what he was talking about. They knew that Old Testament. In John 8, 28, he says, when you have lifted up the son of man, then ye shall know that I am. In John 9, 15, 9, 5, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. John 9, 39, for judgment, I am come into this world. Twice in John 10, he says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the gate. 
Then in John 10, 10, he says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 36, I am the son of God. John 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. While washing the feet of his disciples in John 13, 13, he says, you call me master and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. Then in John 14, 6, he gives a familiar and beautiful statement, I am the way. And he could have said, I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And in John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine. When the Jewish soldiers, temple soldiers, came to Gethsemane to get him, they, Jesus says to this, these guys with swords and staves and torches, who do you seek? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. The King James says that he looks at them and he says, I am he. Again, you can see in that that the he is italicized. It doesn't belong. Jesus looked at them and said, I am. That's what his response was. And what did they do? By those two words, by the word of his mouth, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing the, between the soul and the sunder uh, joints and marrow, he, with the words of his mouth, his word, he makes them all fall back upon the ground in fear, laying there because of him saying, I am. Finally, I would suggest that the culmination of this holy name is used in John 8, uh, 58. Uh, he was in a growing debate with the Jews in John chapter 8, and they were claiming this honorary and lineal authority and right as the children of Abraham. This was the same Abraham who had a beginning, who had a mother and a father, who had a shape and a form and hair color and a material location. And Jesus says in response to these biblical scholars standing around them who were claiming rights to Abraham as their father, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And what did the Jews do? Well, in response, they would never hurt anybody unless it was legal, but they picked up stones. Why? Because they said he was making himself God and they wanted to kill him for it. If he was God, they had absolutely no right. But if he wasn't, they had every right in the world to stone him. Yeshua, Jesus, condescended below all things. He came from an eternally existing uh, existence. And he came down to this world from his glory on high as God. And he condescended and took upon himself flesh and blood and bone. And he walked this earth, a beautiful incarnate friend, a beautiful person that you would love if you met him. There is not a person in the world that would, that would ever match what he would be like. And yet he is refused. He lived in a way that you could not to save you from the conditions of this world, from religion and from men and from yourself. He died in a way that you could not, so that you could live eternally with him. His yoke is easy, his burden is light, his demands upon your soul are so simple. It is so easy to come to him. And how you do it is you go and you say, I believe in my heart and I confess you with my mouth that you are Lord. Now take over my life. Just take it over. I give my will. I know I'm receiving what you're offering me. I, I, I can't do it myself. I don't want to do it myself, Jesus. Take my life over. Do it in the privacy of your room. Do it in a car. Do it with another person. Call here if you want. We'll do it together on the phone. I don't care. Go to your pastor. 
but do it and ask him and then sit back and wait and watch and trust him and see what he does in your life as he works through you in time. Some people, it's immediate. Some people, it takes years. But your job then is to believe his word, trust him and walk and see it work. While the operators screen your calls, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20, we're going to go to a spot, an update on the partners program. Let's show that. Hi, beginning in late April, we let you know that our ministry was in some financial difficulties and we established the Heart of the Matter Partners. We want to thank you for you coming alongside of us. We are about a third of the way there with people coming in and giving their support through prayer and uh, emails and, of course, financial contributions. However, uh, we are about one-third uh, of the way there. That means two-thirds of the way remains. We want to invite you to come alongside and partner with us. It gives us long-term viability. It gives us easy sustainability to progress the show. We're not ending in uh, June, thank God. We are progressing forward in the ministry, but we need your help still. So why don't you go to www.hotm.tv if you're inclined by the Lord, or call us at one 888 4686 and partner up with us. Now, if you can't be a partner, that's fine. If you want to just offer prayer or whatever you can do, we appreciate it. We love you and we thank you. I'm looking uglier every week. I got to tell you, I watch myself. <laughs> I, can't, I can't watch myself on the, while I'm doing the show, but I see those things. It's pretty bad. I'm not, now I know why you're complaining so much. Hey, uh, we're going to, uh, we have Sam in Provo. We have Michael in Taylorsville. We're going to go to Michael, first-time caller uh, on line one. Michael, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, what's up? I love your show. Thanks, Michael. What's happening? I don't know much. I just had a question for you. Um, I was recently um, listening to some uh, speech by the Dalai Lama. Don't ask me why I was listening to it. But um, basically the gist of it was, you know, all the major religions, you know, Mormon, Christian, Hindu, Buddhism, Unitarians, whatever, all of them carry the same messages of love, compassion, forgiveness, tolerance, self-discipline, etc. And, you know, since the Mormon religion is complete baloney, um, you have and you will make people non-believers in Mormonism. Right. But uh, not all, all people will find another value system, such as Christianity. They won't find Christ. You know, some people that you, that you, that you, can, that you get to believe that Mormon religion isn't true, you know, they won't find another value system. But since all the major religions teach the same values, such as LDS and Christianity, you know, is, isn't it immoral? Isn't it immoral of, of you to um, to take people away from from the LDS religion? Even though I'm not, no, you're not trying to convert people, but don't you bear a greater responsibility because you are in the media? Yeah. Uh, see, I guess if the if your perspective was true that all of them preach the same values and morals and things and values and morals and uh, ways to live is what saved us, then you would be right. I would be doing something wrong by taking people who are living a, 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 a certain moral lifestyle and trying to get them out of that to live a whatever kind of lifestyle they want. But here's the thing, um, Michael. Uh, you aren't saved, and all, while all religions might ha share similar... Um, designs on their people and wanting them to improve and be honest and virtuous and, and all those nice things, in Christianity and Christianity alone, those things do not save you. What saves you is faith in Jesus Christ 
and not only just believing on him, but believing on him as who he is. So you have, we have a problem here. As a Christian, I'm faced with a major religious group that I used to be a part of that will, will both say, we are Christian, but they don't worship the Jesus I know. And then, while they might share good values and virtues, there's no disputing that. That is not what saves. If, it, if that's what saved a person in Christianity, Jesus didn't need to come. We could just be good people. So how the Dalai Lama and, 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 and Islam, which are very moral people, except for the radical fundamentalists, and, yeah. and you know, they, sh they may share all these virtues, but Jesus said, remember, I am the way. Not you doing good, I am the way. And that's why we do what we do. Oh, yeah, that's understandable. But, but what about the people that you convert from LDS religion that, that don't find Christ? Okay, you, you mean what about the people who leave Mormonism because of the show who don't find Christ? Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I have, our ministry has always been about leaving Mormonism because you find Jesus and he shows you the light. That's why our book is titled Born Again Mormon. We believe, because I experienced this, you stay LDS because of, uh, until the Lord leads you out. And he will once you've received the true and living Jesus. Now, we aren't the... Uh, shoot it up and just throw out as much ugliness as we can. We try to couch it always in, you have to come to Jesus, don't just leave Mormonism. And that, diff that separates us from most counter-cult ministries. However, this show, if someone was just flipping through on some Tuesday night, they could come across some information from us that would shake them up. And they might leave the church just because of that and walk to the world. We believe that the Lord calls out and works on everybody. And it might be they're falling from Mormonism and finding such trauma in that action that the Lord will find them humble enough and broken enough that he'll pick them up and bring them to him. That happens a lot. So to us, it's a win-win. I understand. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so you, you believe basically that when they fall away from Mormonism, you know, Christ will, Christ will come into their lives. Is that, that's kind of what you're saying in a general sense? It's a big if. And, you know, there's always exceptions. But if they are open... And if they seek, yes, and this is the problem with the scorched earth policy of Mormonism. Because when you're in that church, they say, we are the truth. Nothing else is true. So when you do walk away, some people just say, screw God and Jesus. We don't care about them. Mormonism was false. Everything is false. They're the one who puts that in their hearts. Now, now this is why it's different. If you go to a Christian church, like a Baptist church, that is open and non-denominational and says, look at, you know, and they teach the core values, someone can say, I don't like being a Baptist anymore, I'm going to be a Methodist, or I'm not being a Methodist, I'm going to be a Charismatic, or this or that. They move all around within those denominations because they share the same core values and there's no scorched earth policy on your spirituality. But Mormonism, because it's cultic, will take you and screw you in the ground and bury you rather than have you leave the church. That's why we fight against it. That's very true, and I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you clarified that. Um, if I could, could I ask just one follow-up question? Absolutely. Like, do you believe the Bible to be word-for-word word true? Only in its original uh, writings, meaning what, what Isaiah actually wrote, yes. Okay. Yeah. And so, so, like, for example, like Leviticus chapter 11, verses 9 through 12, it, tell, it tells people not to eat uh, things out of the sea that, if they don't have scales or fins. Um, like, is, is that a part of Christianity? Uh, no, it's not anymore. Jesus fulfilled the law, but it was certainly part of the dietary laws of the children of Israel. And, and, uh -oh. while, 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's so word for word uh, in that way, no. And Old Testament, no, it was fulfilled in Christ. Man, you got some great questions, Michael. Well, so and just one follow-up question to that. So, if if that no longer applies, then doesn't Leviticus eighteen chapter twenty? I mean, verse twenty, chapter eighteen, verse twenty-two, still not apply? What is it? Um, about homosexuality, how you should mankind should not lay with another mankind for an abomination. No, because it talks about it in Romans, the New Testament, the New Covenant after Jesus died, about how men will defile themselves with each other, and He leaves them to a reprobate mind. So, now, are you a homosexual? Um, no. Okay. Well. Again, let me clarify this. It's not your or your friend's homosexuality or my sexual perversiveness toward women or whatever. It's what you do with it. Do you go to Jesus and let him work with you on it? I think, I think many in the Christian community have made the big mistake of trying to put all the evils of society upon the gay community. I mean, everybody has their sins. Let's take them to Jesus and let him work them out personally and individually with us. But it does, I can't, you can't read the Bible and excuse homosexual behavior. Ne neither can you excuse uh, uh, adultery or, or pornography or lust or any of the things that we're subject to. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. Hey, thanks so much, Michael. Love your call. Uh, no problem. Okay, bye-bye. That guy's a sharp guy, man. I hope there's many viewers like that out there. All right, we're going to Braxton, first-time caller in Layton. Braxton? Oops, my mistake. Braxton, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, you got, hi. Hey, you have to turn um, your TV down, Braxton. Um, okay. Hi, Sean. I was just calling to um, tell you that I really like your show, and I have an idea on how you could raise money for your ministry. Okay, tell me. I was thinking... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah? Wait a second. Okay, go ahead. Um, I was wondering if... I was thinking maybe you could make... So, make or sell shirts to say Heart of the Matter on it for, and sell them for maybe 5 or $10. You are a smart young man. Are I you just wanted to get that out there, and I want to say... I really like your show. I'll keep watching it, and God bless you. Okay, Braxton, don't hang up. Wait one second, okay? Yeah. Okay, stay on the line. Our operator, I'm going to put you on hold, and they're going to send you a surprise in the mail, okay? Okay. For calling in. So stay on the phone and let the operators pick it up. All right, hold on there. Line two, please, operators, get Braxton's address. We're going to Sam on line four. Sam from Provo. What's happening, Sam? Hey, I'm uh, just uh, waiting to... Comment on your show, man. What's happening, Sam? What's happening is that I... Turn your TV down. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Remember, we have a rule. You cannot smoke pot before calling in. It's a rule. Hey, you know what's funny is that I don't. Okay. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just you have uh, a lot of serotonin. You're just very relaxed. Go ahead. Hey, uh, is this Sean? It is. <laughs> hey, Sean, I, I have a love-hate relationship with you. Really? <laughs> yeah, but it's most, it, yeah, I don't mean hate, but uh, I, I see you as a friend and an enemy both. Wow. Well. And that is, and that is because uh, you... You have, you, you know, David O. McKay said I'd rather be respected than loved. David O. McKay and said what? 
I would rather be respected than loved. Oh, okay. Uh, with, with you, I think I've reached both. I respect you. I do love you. Thanks, man. So what's uh, happening? Well, I uh, you you were asking at the beginning of the show what is keeping you away from Christ. Yeah. I had uh, years that I, I faithfully served in the LDS religion, went on a mission, yeah. family that way. I went through some very difficult things, and I, you know, kind of <laughs> raised up my fist and shook, shook in anger at God. Uh-huh. And I, one night I, I took a statue of Christ in Gethsemane, that book that they got, and I smashed it with a hammer while <laughs> saying some things that were extremely embarrassing. Okay, so where are you now? Well, what happened, I opened up, you know, I got, what happened is I got, I got he said, okay, and uh, I, I will show you if you really don't, you know, if you don't think I'm on your side. So I opened up the doors on the other side, and I, I went through hell, I went through the divorce, et cetera, et cetera. And I came out of it far much stronger, not only as a believer in Christ, but a believer in the LDS Church. Um, well, you know, I, these, these I have to say, just to keep it running, Sam, I can't, I, it's very hard on a short call-in show to dissect everything that's happened when you... Sure. But, so what's the main point? The point is this. I, I respect you and I love you. I hope that you are not trifling with sacred things sometimes. And as you know, as you you've been in church, yeah. Uh, only uh, really, I say this as a friend and not an enemy. I appreciate it, Sam. I really hope you're not trifling with sacred things because I, that's what I did when I smashed that statue. Yeah. And sometimes I think you're close to smashing the statue. You know what I mean? You know, it's a good thing to smash the statue. Uh, uh, statues are graven images. Uh, you know, I mean, they're pieces of art. But when we start putting deity in statues, we start removing ourselves from him being no, the I am. No, not, no that, you're missing the point. I know. I know your point. It, I'm just kind of point, going down that point road. Is I, I, wait, I raised up my hand and yelled at God, why have you... I've served you. Now, did, did you just I, listen? Did you just listen to what I said about Jesus? Do you think my hand is raised to God in anger? At all, but I, 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 I you in a service to to the church. Actually, that's why I'm calling because you are my friend. And I, I, I really think that you're you're sort of helping cleansing the vessel of the church. Yeah, people say that. It's really interesting that, that, I mean, your perspective is not unique. It's really interesting that they view me as uh, separating the wheat from the chaff. And those you are. I, I think, I really believe you're doing that, and that's why I'm calling you, because I do respect you for what you're doing. Well, I, I, I'm glad I can be of service the to you. The only point I'm, I'm saying is, for your own safety, what, what got me on this was that you made a comment about Joseph Smith some months ago that, I believe it was he was on in the same ballpark as James Jones in uh, absolutely, and, and I and I went oh wait a second jo I, Joseph Smith is not even in that guy's league and well, it, you, you know you really could deceive some people so that's what I'm saying my friend yeah well Be okay careful. Sam I I appreciate the call we've gone on a little 
long, but I appreciate your friendship, your kindness toward me. I, my, I will even dedicate uh, some hours of service. I'm a press professional on audio and so forth. If I love the station, I'll get some time up there if you need it. All right, my friend. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're going to Luis, Luis and Roy online too. Luis or Lewis? Yes, Lewis. Lewis, how you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. How you doing today? Doing well. I just wanted to make a comment about the topic that you had tonight. It was just awesome, just totally excellent. Thanks, Lewis. And uh, you, me and my wife, you, you, your show has become like our our uh, weekly. We just cannot wait until <laughs> it comes on because it's just so excellent to see that there's somebody out there doing such a such an awesome service and reaching people. Praise totally, God. Totally rocks. And we, we want to back you. We want to, we want to, we're going to sit together and figure out what we can help, uh, you know, on a monthly basis. But one of the things that, one of the things that me and my wife are interested in is the last week or a week before, we heard that you had mentioned that you had a Bible study on Wednesdays in Ogden. And, yes. Uh, we were definitely really interested in attending that. Sometimes I can't because I, I have other things that I do at the church I attend, but I would really love to come to some of those. Okay, go, go write down www.calvarycampus.com and that will tell you all about it if you're interested in coming. Cool. Awesome, man. I just, hey. just want to thank you, man. Oh, thank you. Thanks for watching. God bless you. Uh, you too. Bye-bye. We're going to Scott in Salt Lake, first-time caller. Scott, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, Scott. Um, I really enjoy your show. Thank you. I've read read your book and will enjoy your book um i'm lds i was uh raised lds went on a mission um you know all those things still in the temple uh-huh. um in december i accepted jesus wow praise and, god and stopped going to uh attending church uh-huh. and um i attend a, a protestant church and uh really enjoy it um my wife and children are still very act active in the church. Yeah. And it's caused just incredible problems, you know, in our family. You know, um, you know, my wife's hanging in there with me, but you know how it goes. It's just uh, yeah. devastating the family members. Um, my question is, I'd really like to get my name removed because I, I don't believe in the church anymore. I, I really don't even want my name associated with it. But I'm just afraid... You know, if I have my name removed, it could just cause real problems in my family. First of all, you know, it would uh, null and void our temp- temple marriage. Um, you know, my kids being sealed to me. And there's just a finality for them. Um, you know, for me, it would be li- li- liberating to abandon ship. Right. But, you know, to them, you know, I just don't know. I just don't know if my family would survive, but at the same time, you know, I, I really want not, nothing to do with the LDS Church anymore. I just, yeah, I want, want my name off, and I just, yeah, you know, I've been praying about it, trying to get, you know, and I just sort of confused on what, what, what to do because I, you know, I. Well, I let me offer whatever insight I have, whatever is valuable. The LDS Church, the Church is not true, so whether your name is on those rolls or not, is almost a non-issue. Okay. There may come and I know, Sean, I will never go back. I mean, I just right. I know without a shadow of a doubt, you know, I am happy in my faith now, but right. at the same time, it bothers me, you know, and my wife still reminds me, well, you're still, 
LDS, you know, you still are still to be, you know. And, oh. And so it's almost <laughs> like, you know, it almost gives her a false hope sometimes, oh. you know, because I haven't done that. And she said, well, you still haven't taken your name off, you know. So it's almost, I don't know, it's almost like a two-edged sword, you know, a double-edged sword, because it also, I think, gives her false hope. I see. That, you know, because you know how, how how they think. Oh, he'll 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 come back. Come back. He'll, you know. So I. I oh, mean, that's a different. Yeah. That's another uh, aspect to it. Then has she ever attended the Protestant church with you? No, she won't go. She won't read anything. I mean, she just. Um, it's if anything, it's made her more fanatical. You Have know, you become where, a, that? That happens a lot, but and I think she seems feels she has to compensate for me now with the children. Yeah, and, unfortunately, uh, where you know she used to be a lot more open-minded and things. I mean, it's, this has caused her to become more fanatical. That happens, you know. Scott, but it's not long-term in in most cases. Uh, have you, you know, become... one thing, Sean, she has seen, I mean, it was over a year ago that I did come open about my unbelief. And, of course, you know, she was taught in church that I'd become this horrible apostate and turn into this monster, you know. That's my question. Become... Scott, this is my question. Have you become a better man? Oh, of course I am. Better yes, husband? I'm more, I'm more spiritual than I've ever been. Are and you more loving as a father? I, I think so. I try to be. Are you more? You know, she has you... even said that, you know, that I haven't turned no into talking. this. Uh, Munster apostate, you know, that she was told I'd become, uh, if anything, I've become, you know, I still pretty much live like a Mormon, you know, but I, I live as a Christian, you know, but to her, I mean, well, so wait, I hope maybe by my example, she sees, you know, that I'm happy and, and I'm, but. Well, but Scott, you know, listen, uh, maybe sometime we could sit down because I'm in Salt Lake a lot. That's where you're out of. And uh, just talk about the different avenues. We talk with a fact, lot of people. Fri- you are friends with, with my sister. I won't say over the air just because I live in a small town. Okay. But you actually know, know my sister real well, who's also ex- accepted the Lord. Okay, well, then like maybe we can get together. together. I would. I would love to. All right, God bless you, my friend. Okay, thank you, Sean. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. bye. Or he'll talk to me later. Just a joke. Uh, let's go to Marty in Salt Lake City online, too. I look forward to talking with you, Scott. Marty, you're on Heart of the Matter. Marty? Martin? Are you there? Yes. You're on the air. I am. You are. We're having trouble with our audio. Are you there? I I just wanted to have him comment on suicide. I have a friend that's been very ill, that's very despondent and very unhappy, and and, and is thought about that and I wanted his thoughts on what that would mean. So I'll hang up and listen to him. Okay. Thank All you. Right. All right, Marty. Thank you. All right. God help me. Uh, the Lord uh, gives and takes life. Uh, but I, I mean, I just have to be honest with you. Um, I do not judge people who know Jesus who have taken their lives. I'm not suggesting it. I'm not saying that it's okay with God. But I do not judge and believe people who have taken their lives for whatever reason go to hell as believers in Jesus Christ. The question is, does their faith in Jesus Christ tell them not to do that? Or do they reach a point, and obviously people do, who resort to that? I don't know. But I do firmly believe that those who have had a faith and a love of the Lord who end up taking their life are with him. 
Uh, that being said, life is sacred. I am so sorry. I, I don't know. In this fallen world, and by the way, this, is, this fallen world is not in the hands of God. This is fallen world is a result of sin, and your friend's pain and suffering is a result of sin being brought into his beautiful creation. He now is there as a response, holding his hands out to help. My suggestion as a pastor, if I was talking to her, would try to be to turn to the Lord and seek medical help and, and seek every avenue possible to see if there's some reason the Lord is keeping her and help her to see. But again, those who have taken their lives, who love the Lord, and there are many of them, we get emails from their parents, I, I do not believe that they, uh, they go to hell. So uh, that's the best I can do. I, I, I'm kind of weak in that answer, and I'm sorry about that, Marty, but God bless you. Yeah, I would love to call uh, your friend, Marty. So if you send an email, call the station, leave your number. Uh, I'd be more than happy to sit and counsel with her or him and talk to them about these alternatives and what they might mean scripturally. Open up the Bible and just talk about those things, okay? But the Lord loves her or him, loves you, loves me, and all of our frailties. And we just prayer is going to go a long way in helping bring about the solution. All right, we have one minute left. i got to go to Jessica and Magna. We're going to throw it in here. Jessica, you've got one minute, my sister. You're on the air. Hi. I really don't know what to say. I was just flipping through your channels, and I stopped on your channel and started listening, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. Uh-huh. Um, I'm really nervous. Sorry. Don't be nervous. <laughs> um, I only have, like, 73 days under my belt. That's a long time. I'm very proud of myself. It seems a lot longer to me uh-huh. than it actually is. But um, some recently some things have happened in my life to where I'm starting to question. I'm starting to believe that maybe there really is something out there for me to believe in. Praise God. Um, I, I, what i got to do is I'm going to put you on hold. Do okay. not hang up, and I'm going to come back and talk to you. Okay. Okay, hold on. Well, we are out of time. Uh, uh, We thank you for tuning in. Next week, we're going to pick up with our final uh, conclusion about uh, the LDS Church response to the Mormon Mountain Meadows massacre. And uh, we hope you'll tune in with us. Please send your prayers up to the people who have called in tonight. There's a lot of searching people out there. God bless you. See you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Get them, McCabe. No. my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my Break my rusty cage. Oh, yeah.